0: A man is on the hunt for lizard people living underneath the streets of Los Angeles. And then we take a look at the legend of the guide trash, a black spectral dog, sometimes it's a shapeshifter, that haunted parts of England for nearly 200 years. Is this dog real? And by calling it just a dog is a little misleading. It wasn't a dog. There were hundreds of these things today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Just a quick reminder, if you missed yesterday's episode, we will be taking a break at the end of Season 2, and Season 2 ends on Friday. So, we're going to do our Friday episode, and then we're going to take a break, and we will be back. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see my calendar from here, but I think it's April 22nd? I think. But anyways... But let's go ahead and move on to our first story. Now, our first story, we're going to go to sunny, sunny Los Angeles. Place of movie stars. I think I've used this intro before, but place of movie stars and sexy, sexy people who don't happen to be movie stars. What is it about waiters? Not waiters. Let me back up here. What is it about waitresses that is so hot? Like a lot of times you go in to a restaurant and you'll see like some hot women dining there. But what is it about waitresses that make them so hot? Is their uniforms? Is it the fact that they're serving me? I don't know. But waitresses are generally the hottest people in the building. But we're going that all aside, that long segue aside. We're going to sunny, sunny Los Angeles. So let's just walk there. Let's just walk. It's a nice walk from Oregon to California. We can do it. The settlers did it. They had horses and wagons. But let, let okay, that's enough. That's enough. Let's go to Los Angeles, and that is where we are going to explore the mystery of the man who tried to find reptiles underneath the city streets of Los Angeles. Back in the year, imagine you are in the year 1934. You pick up a copy of the Los Angeles Times, the esteemed newspaper, the record for the city of Los Angeles, and you open it up, and on the front page, it reads this headline, Lizard People's Catacomb City. You're like, what? Why is this in the front page of the Los Angeles Times? But this was actually an ongoing thing in this city. So what happened was there was this guy named George Warren Schufeld. And he thought, well, he believed, he didn't just think it. He wasn't like, oh, I got a theory. He truly believed that there was a race of ancient humanoid lizards living underneath the city of L.A. He had heard an old Native American legend from a friend of his. So, I mean, that's always the best way to get your information. And... He invented this device called a radio x-ray machine. So basically, he was taking it around town, and it was like... He said it was like a ground-penetrating radar, but radar didn't exist. So he was just saying that this is what it does. It's going underneath the ground, and it's showing that there's these huge catacombs underneath the city. Now, nowadays, not only would that not be in the front page of the LA Times, that guy would be regarded as a total kook. He'd have his own website... But he would be regarded as a kook. It wouldn't get any mainstream press. But back then, people were... He went to the county board of supervisors and said, Hey, do you mind if I start digging up parts of LA to find the secret catacomb system? And they approved it. They said, yeah, sure, dude. There's nothing else going on. And now, to be fair, Los Angeles wasn't the booming city it is today. But it was still fairly large. But they they gave him permission. They said, yeah, you you we don't want you digging up, you know, Hollywood and Vine, but you can dig up in certain areas where the business owners give you permission and stuff like that. We're totally fine with it. The reason why everyone was fine with it and it was kind of going along with it because George Warren was saying that this was what he was told, that a bunch of lizard people lived on Earth a long, long time ago, and then a bunch of meteorites started coming down, and they ran underground. They had this special chemical that melted rock like hot butter, hot butter doesn't melt, it melt rock like pouring hot water on butter, I guess is what I was looking for, and the, the county board of supervisors like that analogy makes no sense, and he's like, no, 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 just go with it, but when they escaped down into the underground, and this city wasn't just in LA, it stretched all over Arizona and New Mexico and all that stuff, he said when they escaped, they took a bunch of gold with them, so everyone's like, oh, gold, now I'm interested, now I'll approve your digging procedure. He had a ton of people working for him. He had digging equipment. And according to who you believe as far as... Like the record keeping goes, he dug between 250 feet down to 1,000 feet down looking for this stuff. So again, it wasn't a couple guys out there with shovels and pickaxes. These guys were using boring equipment, which is actually quite exciting, to dig through the earth. Deep. Even 250 feet down is pretty deep in the middle of a city. Now... Of course, he didn't find anything, at least that we know of, because if he had found something, then it would be big news, a giant lizard city underneath the city, and there's all this gold everywhere. But he ended up coming up empty-handed. There's been a couple things from this. One, some people think that the story that he heard was mistranslated, because it was a Native American story. His buddy was Native American. is a guy named Chief Greenleaf, which is who I used to buy my wheat from, but they think that the story actually wasn't about lizard people. They think that something was mistranslated. And it was actually the story of Lemuria. The people leaving the island of Lemuria, coming to the continent of America and going underground. And and that's interesting because we just covered that in the Mount Shasta conspiracy. When we talked about the people leaving their island and going underground and living under Mount Shasta. And having, so people say that he may have gotten the lizard part wrong, but... The old legend of people fleeing from a continent because it was undergoing some sort of cataclysm, going underground into America, that matches up to other legends that were in that area. The second thing to come from this story is that some people believe that this is where the idea of reptilians based on taking over the world comes from. They think that this may this guy may have been inadvertently of starting the rumor of shape shifting reptilians, of reptilians trying to dominate the planet, of a hidden race of humanoid reptiles, and they think that really it may come from this humanoid. As far as I can remember, humanoid reptiles aren't super common in old school mythology. They may be a one off villain popping up here and there. They may be the you know the guys that Hercules like smashes their backs and breaks their spines and stuff like that. But overall, you'd have humans with like a reptile head or talking snakes or creature like dragons. But the idea of an actual human, like a full-on human looking, like a reptile that stands upright like a human, walks like a human, stuff like that. That's not super common. I, I may be wrong on that. And some people may say there's this example, there's this example. But overall, that's not a real common mythology. People who are part reptile, yes. Or reptiles with human characteristics, yes, but a humanoid reptile is not as common in folklore, or in religion, or myth, or however you want to put it. So, outside of maybe one or two, a few examples out there. So, they're thinking that this may be why the reptile thing popped up. So, I mean, some people think because this idea of there's a race of humanoid reptilians that are secretly trying to take over the planet is fairly recent, it had to come from somewhere. He was talking about this underground city. He never found any proof. He swore up and down there's reptiles living underneath LA and up and down all over the Southwest. This may have been the start of where eventually, 80, 90 years later, you have David Icke writing about shape-shifting reptilians and tons of reptilians on YouTube. Not literally, videos about reptiles on YouTube. This may be where it started. But the big question I have from this is... We know they didn't find a city, and I don't believe in shape-shifting reptilians taking over the planet. But I do have one huge question about this. In that front page of the LA Times, by the way, I have to remind you. In that same edition, the January 29th, 1934 edition of the Los Angeles Times front page, right, right underneath this article, saying that there may be reptiles living under the city of LA, or at least their dead civilization. Here's a headline for you. Effort to save Kite... May cost child life. Little kid was flying his kite, got caught in a power line, went to go get it, and got electrocuted, and the article ends saying the child is in critical condition. What? Now, I'll never know if that kid ever survived. That is a horror... That's a cliffhanger. I know we didn't find reptiles. I find it odd, again, talk about a slow news day in LA if that's on your front page. Tragic story, i not making fun of the kid. Just bizarre that that would be front page news. And it also makes me think they definitely was a slow news day if that is on the front page, along with some guys digging in your backyard looking for reptile bones. But we're going to go ahead and leave LA. And I hope that kid's okay. But again, I'll never know. I don't think they had like a follow up to it. I guess I could check the next day in the newspaper, actually. But it's a daily podcast. I got a lot of stuff to do. You know, I'm wondering if that was in the newspaper, because how long had electricity been around, like, power lines in cities? Maybe, like, 20 years? Nah, he's probably not the first kid who got his kite stuck in a power line. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next story. Now, for the next story, but we leave sunny, sunny Los Angeles. You're like, that's weird. The audio quality changed. Yeah, that's because I recorded (laughs) those segments at different times, but we leave sunny, sunny Los Angeles. We say goodbye to the beautiful waitresses that we met down there that served us so honorably and valiantly it's not d-day they're just giving us food but anyways now it's off to england that's why i saved the carpenter copter because we really needed we can't walk across the ocean as much as awesome as it would be to like walk along the seafloor, we can't do that but we are off to merry old england we go a bit back in time to around let's let's we're gonna go back to the 18th century so early 18th century we're gonna go back to when this started hopping the carpenter copter Go back in time and now we're hovering over a little town now again it's britain i don't really know how their principalities are set up i don't even know if that's the correct word but we're flying over let's say yorkshire yorkshire i think is a county but anyways we're flying somewhere over there hovering we're in stealth mode it's old-timey town beneath us everything's made of wood and brick and we see the city street below us. And it's kind of bustling. You know, it's, it's 7 o'clock at night. I'm surprised that this many people are out. But people are still wandering around the town. And he hears some guy go, oh, "What, Look over there with your peoples, Governor. <laughs> Look over there. And the, everyone's like, What's over there, a British dude? And he goes, It's a guy trash. And everyone runs away. And we're like, What? What's a guy trash? And we're looking around. We don't see anything from our angle. We don't see anything at all. But we do realize something, that whatever this thing is, they're scared of it. These superstitious people are very scared of this thing known as the guy trash. Now, a guy trash, this was an interesting one. This one was actually a recommendation on Facebook from Alexandra. Alexandra recommended this to me. She's actually in Britain. I don't know if she's in Britain right now. I don't, if you're listening to this podcast three years from now, if you go there looking for her, I don't know if you'll find her there. But... She sent me this story, and she sent me an interesting follow-up after she sent me the story. We'll get to that. But the guy trash is basically your standard devil dog, your standard spectral spirit in the form of a big black dog. Those are fairly popular in Europe, specifically in England, and we even have a lot of legends like that over here in America. And thanks for the recommendation, too. Thank you. But this one's actually a little more intriguing than just the ghost dog. It's abilities and features are quite odd. Now, a lot of times you'll hear stories about, oh, there's a black dog that's roaming around Virginia and, like, eats chickens and, like, poops on your lawn, whatever. It's just, like, normal stuff that you would imagine a canine spirit to do. So you either go, well, it's a hoax, and someone doesn't have a really good imagination, or it's the ghost of a dog. And there's stories about hellhounds and stuff like that that are, like, these demonic-type creatures And then there's the dog creatures that I encountered when I was having my dealings with the Shadow People. And I discussed that uh, quite a few episodes back. I think it was like episode 97 or something like that. No, it was even further. 88, I think it was. But anyways, they all behaved like canines. What's interesting about the guy trash is that its set of abilities far exceed anything that any dog could do. Even Scooby-Doo would be hard-pressed to beat this dude. And again, it's funny because I'm going to keep referring to it almost as a singular entity, but it's not. There's a lot of fascinating aspects to this. But let's go ahead and talk about what a guy trash is, specifically in its dog form. It's a spectral black dog, so it's a phantom. It usually has a chain around its neck, and it's the size of a small bear, which is quite huge, goes without saying. I mean, I don't think they're talking about, like, a cub, which would be kind of cute. A a grown bear, but like a small one. (laughs) That makes sense. Like a normal bear, but he's like the runt of the litter, but he's not a cub. Which would match up, again, to the phantom dogs that I saw, which were easily bigger than me. And I'm like six foot seven, six foot eight. So I'm not really. But so that would be the size of a small. I'm often confused with a small bear myself. My my friends call me Ursa Minor. It also had giant eyeballs, like saucers. So I just imagine that it's perpetually startled, like zoinks! Like these giant, round eyeballs. But it doesn't specifically say that they're like bulging out of its head like it just saw a hot chick. Just that they're quite big. And it had a unique, technically the word was unusual roar, unlike that of any animal. So like... (laughs) So you're thinking, okay, it's a monster. It makes a weird monster noise. It has monster features. Okay. there's a, Now we're going to get into the distinctive qualities. Now, these, this description came from a dude. And I didn't know who he was. I kind of figured it out from his last name. There's this dude named Branwell Bronte. And I was like, oh, he must know Emily. He must be related. Emily Bronte wrote Wuthering Heights. I'm pretty sure it was one of the Brontes. And I didn't know this. While I was researching this, Him and his sister might have been banging each other. Or she wanted to bang him or something. Like, there's this whole conspiracy theory that Wuthering Heights, which, again, I've never read, but I would have if I knew this, that Emily Bronte wanted to bang her brother, and so she wrote Heathcliff, who's in the book. Not the cartoon character, but there's a guy, there's a romance character named Heathcliff. He's in this book called Wuthering Heights, and I don't know if Cliff is a pun on the Heights. I'm assuming it's not. But anyways, Heathcliff... Is trying to like, is it like a total jerk to this chick in the book named Anna or something? And then I guess he digs up the corpse of his dead lover in the book, in the book, <laughs> not in Real Life. Heathcliff digs up the corpse of his dead lover. What is in this book? I always was like, nah, I'd rather read a, a Dean Koontz novel in high school because we got to pick our own books. But then it turns out that people think that she may have been trying to bang her brother that they did bang, and that's all based on, like, her. she based her book on Heathcliff, and then other people are saying, no, that's not true. They didn't bang, but they wanted to. super bizarre. Teachers need to say that stuff in high school. The teacher says, here, this book is called Wuthering Heights. We think the author banged her brother. I would have read it. Here, here's this book, Animal Farm. The author was having sex with animals during this book as he was writing it. They need to tell us this backstory, I would have read it. But anyways, that's enough of probably 50% correct Bronte history. Branwell Bronte wrote the description I just read you. Also, he was mentally ill and an alcoholic, so I should t- have told you that before this description. But he's not the only one who's seen these things. And this is where we get into the unusual features of the guy trash. When it walks, it makes a noise, which is incredibly unusual for any sort of ghost. Like, yes, ghosts rattling chains, jingling doorknobs. But remember, this is, this is a such a common thing to see that these existed in almost every single town. And in some towns, they had multiple versions of these living on different streets. It was incredibly common. It wasn't like you have to go out to the graveyard and walk around a grave three times and say, you know, booga booga. And then something comes out like you'd be wa- you'd be going to go grocery shopping and you'd see one of these crossing the street and you turn around and go home. So these were everywhere. They were mostly in northern England where these were situated. But anyways, I keep going off on tangents. There's just a lot of weird information. The Well, not the Bronte stuff, but I could have cut that. As it walks, it made a noise that went... And the noise was so noticeable that one of the slang terms for it was called the pad foot or the padded foot. Because it would make the noise like it was walking on pads. So it wasn't just one person heard the noise. They all heard the noise, and some people said they should call it the Padfoot. And you think, why did they call it the Guy Trash? This is a weird detail as well, and Alexandra said this was the, her favorite part of the story. The Guy Trash, as it moves through the town, it would be watching you. But if you noticed it and started walking towards it, it would begin walking backwards, staring at you the whole time. You couldn't get close to the thing. Sometimes, right when you looked at it, it would simply take off. And it would be noticed to jump into water. So it'll jump into a well. It'll jump into a river, a pond, anything. Your cup of noodles that you just cooked, you, you got a guy trashing it now. But the reason, th- and again, this was a, such an odd detail. All that stuff, like seeing a spirit and have a jump in the water. Water is generally very connected to the spirit world. This was very interesting to me. And it kind of like kind of trips you out when you think about reality. Sometimes the guy trash, instead of running to the nearest water source, would run towards you and then jump and dive right at your feet. So you think you're about to get mauled by this creature, but before it gets you, it would jump and dive right by your feet and it would disappear as if it was diving into water that you're standing on top of. And it did that so often. That That's why it's named the Guy Trash. Some people say that's the reason why it's called the Guy Trash. Not that it would jump in there and Guy Trash would appear. Because that noise... Guy Trash! As it jumped and disappeared right at your feet, it would sound like someone dropped a heavy stone into a lake. Guy trash. That is so bizarre to have such a noisy spirit. That is so common. Because we don't call ghosts Cheney's. Because they rattle chains all the time, you have other names for them. But this one, if that story is true, and they think that that's where the name Guy Trash comes from, because they can't really find any other evidence of why that name is that, is that so many people had experienced that, and it would jump and it would splash into the solid concrete at your feet as if it wasn't concrete back then. It was dirt, but it would jump into the earth and it would make a noise. And it happened so often people would be like, Dude, what, you, what is that thing that's chasing us down the street and I'm trying to go get some milk? That happened so often, people just started calling it the guy trash. Super bizarre. It has a lot of elements that really set it apart from normal cryptids or normal ghosts. The fact that everyone can see them is not really known among cryptids. Normally they hide their I mean, these things will disappear when you start to interact with them, but you know what I mean? Like. It's kind of on the border between like the fairy lore, the elves and stuff like that, where people interacted with them and they were obviously like harmful to people. You know, gnomes were creepy. It borders on the ghost because it has a ghostly presence. They constantly referring it to as a specter. And then it borders on the the modern day cryptid where it's a creature that defies all logical explanation and it's kind of living in that realm. And it's funny because it, it's, it's happening at the time when society is becoming more industrialized. It's like the last phase of the fey legends. And moving to the cryptid legends. Very, very, very interesting creature. But you, you ask, okay, there's a dog running around. It's making this weird noise. What does it do? Which was really my question when I was reading the article. I was like, okay, so what does this do? This is interesting. But if it just kind of like walks around town and splashes, that's just kind of a weird illusion. Well, it can attack you, and it has been known to attack people. Oh, I got my people's governor. I can't see. But most likely, seeing one is a bad omen. Now, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's pretty much a bad omen. If you get attacked by something, you're like, oh, I should have seen this coming. I saw the bad omen, and then it attacked me. But generally, it meant that you or someone in your family was going to experience something really bad. Most likely a death soon when you saw one of these creatures. And and remember, these things are seen so consistently all over the place that people are constantly it, basically in a state of fear. Everyone's seeing them, bad stuff's happening all the time. It's really, really tough to live back then. Imagine if every time you opened the door you saw a bad omen. But because but because these things were around for so long, they were seen between the 18th between the 18th and the 19th century. They really were able to kind of zone in on It's almost like they were able to study these things from a zoological perspective. They were able to come down to this is what it looks like. This is what it does. This is what happens when you startle it. This is what happens when you chase it. This is how it gets away. If there's no water available, this is how it gets away. It's very, I mean, it's quite detailed. We don't even know that stuff about Bigfoot. Like, what do you do if you run into a Bigfoot? What does a Bigfoot do when it runs into you? How does it get away? I mean, they they can just go, well, he walks away. These ones actually have like exit routes for this thing. They've also been able to zone in exactly where it tends to show up. This is cool. I didn't know this phrase before until I read this article. It said that it shows up in liminal places, which are basically gateways. So it would show up at thresholds. It would show up at gates. It would show up at tunnels. It would show up outside like the gate of a graveyard or outside the archway of a church. It's very, very interesting. They're really able to go when they see it. You're like, hey... Probably shouldn't have walked by that open doorway because (laughs) I didn't want any bad omens tonight and there is a guy trash. Now, it also... And you go, okay, well, just stay away from all arches. Stay away from McDonald's. Don't go anywhere near where there's an opening. But liminal also includes... I mean, liminal really is like borders. So it could show up at a street crossing. It could show up at a county line. You could be walking and you could cross your property line into your neighbor's property line and you look over there, and there's this hulking black dog with giant eyeballs just staring at you. So that's why they were everywhere. Because boundaries is what makes up society. And these creatures would be where there are boundaries. And so generally you would have, some towns had a guy trash. And they would be like, oh, and then there would be at the same time another guy trash in a neighboring town. But like I said earlier, some of the towns were so... Populated by these things, individual streets had its own guy trash, so you could have someone seeing the main guy trash down at the city hall, while there's just, there's just a guy trash that walks down your street, which is the worst. That means you basically live in the worst neighborhood possible, where there's a bad omen constantly just like hanging out in your front yard. He's also a shapeshifter, which again isn't out of the realm of the fantasy and the Fordian and stuff like that, but the shapes that this guy seems to take are quite odd. Because I was like, okay, he's a dog, maybe he turns into a hot chick, maybe he turns into a frog, something like that. These are the other forms, that. and I don't know how they knew it was the guy trash or a guy trash in this form. I'm assuming that it's the appearance that it took or the presence that it gave you, because some of these are really weird. It showed up once as an evil cow and terrorized the people of this town, to the point where their guy trash basically just always stayed as an evil cow. Once, and this was another, um, another. I think it was Bronte again, in between Bing and his sister, he noticed that in his area, sometimes the guy trash would turn into a burning barrel rolling down a hill, which is so specific. And I imagine if you're in the middle of nowhere, which was basically how you would describe <laughs> England back then, and you looked out your window, if you saw a burning barrel rolling down the hill... The first thing you do is to roll over and wake up your sister and be like, hey, hey, wake up, Emily, look at this. And you would think it was a weird event. But if you kept seeing it and then you weren't seeing the normal spectral dog running around your neighborhood, you probably connect. Hey, maybe that might be the guy trash. Maybe it started rolling uphill or doing weird stuff or chasing people around the neighborhood. And that is actually not as odd as the next form that it took. It also took a rabbit. So that's kind of cool. But it's not even the oddest form that it took. In one town, the kai trash became a a dirty white rag on a branch. So there's just like a branch and there's a white rag hanging from it dripping and people are like oh, it's a bad omen that's the guy trash that's such a bizarre form for it to take but the people believed in that area that that was the guy trash but maybe it stayed up there for weeks or months i don't know it, it's would seem that to me seems like pure superstition the rag one it could have actually been a shape-shifting creature but that more seems like one day i looked out and i saw a white rag on a stick And I had bad luck, I fell and stubbed my toe the next day, therefore that might be the guy trash. And then no one wanted to take it down because they were afraid it was this mythical monster. That sounds a lot like a complete superstition. But the guy trash did eventually disappear. And some people say it was related to the people in the areas getting more educated. Some people say that it was related to electricity, more lighting in the neighborhoods. Scared them off. It was no longer their hunting grounds. It's interesting to think like living in a -- I know like rural areas tend to get really dark at night, but it's interesting to think there was a time where there was like masses of people living together, and it was like, unless you're in front of a candle, it was pitch black. And then it was oddly enough, one author, not Bronte, but one author said that he said that the guy trash uh, here's his quote here, left Horton when the district was incorporated, as it had grown jealous of the policemen. Kind of weird. I didn't know it was like Batman. Maybe, it, maybe it thought it figured the idea that the policemen were now patrolling the area. But the the guy trash wasn't like a silent guardian, a dark knight. He was just like this jerk that kind of caused bad luck and would sometimes attack you. So you're like, okay, there is the legend of the guy trash. But what's interesting is there is actually a recent news article where a woman was taking a photograph of a man walking up a stairway into a NA in tunnel so it's like a tunnel that has a stairway into it for whatever reason. And she takes a photo of the guy for whatever reason, she's a total creeper. She has her own website. And in the corner of the photo, right at the threshold of the tunnel is a guy trash. Now, that's what the photographer says and that's what the newspaper is claiming it to be. It looks like a pile of trash. It doesn't look like a spectral dog. I mean, I guess if you really squinted, you could see it. But I looked at the photo for quite a long time, and I just couldn't make out the really make out the details. It was big and it was black and it was lumpy. And if that's what dogs look like over there, then I think they have bigger problems than mythical black omens running around. I wonder if spirits can go extinct now, and that's going to sound like a weird thing. And I'm using the word spirits in kind of a general catch-all phrase. I think I've always been to the. I think I've always had the understanding that, like, if elves were real and gnomes were real and all this stuff, that they did exist for a time alongside humanity in these little alcoves, and humans would run into them from time to time, and that's where a lot of these legends come from. Little shape, you know, kid babies being shape shifted and. Stuff like that, and I never, I just always assumed, and then they left. I have always had this idea that it's been this kind of Lord of the Rings thing, where it's basically once the age of man came, then they just said, oh, this place isn't for us, and they either went deeper into hiding, or they left our realm, or whatever. If Assuming they existed. Assuming they existed at all. I've always kind of had that childlike idea that maybe they just, you know, said... Okay, we're going to leave. We'll leave England now as little fairy folk and we'll find another realm to live in, another dimension. Little fairy people and their black spectral dogs and gnomes (laughs) and unicorns, man. I never really thought about them going extinct. I never really thought, like, there was a last unicorn, which is a great movie, but I never really imagined, like, there was a last unicorn that was, like, killed by a hunter. I imagined eventually the unicorns just left. And I don't know if that's very childlike of me, but it's funny to bring it back to this is like, imagine that the guy trash, these creatures were real, that it wasn't just mass hallucination from ergot poisoning. And then they lived there long before humans spread to that area, but no one was around to notice them. And then the humans built up their little towns there and they're like, we're not going anywhere. And they stayed there and it was still technically their place. But then, nighttime started to become daytime. And the darkness that was their home that comforted them was being taken away block by block by block. It's weird to think that out of all the species and all the civilizations that humanity has waged war against and the species have died off and those empires have fallen and their history completely forgotten... Alongside all of that chaos, maybe there are like unknown graveyards of these creatures that either were slaughtered or simply just ceased to exist. I guess I guess really the reason why I'm kind of having this realization now is until I really got to the guy trash, I never really thought of these things. They've always been more in the realm of fantasy than reality. And I'm not saying I believe the guy trash is real, but I find it interesting how much specific information they have on these things. As opposed to stuff like the Pombero or Unicorn or La Lorna or whatever. They're always just kind of these things that pop up and people make up a legend about it or they hear something and da-da-da-da and everything's kind of left very vague. These things are so specific. It really makes me think that they could have existed in a logical fashion. And if that's true then we may be responsible for the extinction of a species from another dimension, simply by turning our lights on. It really makes you wonder what the world was really like at night, two, three hundred years ago. When the sun set and the world fell dark, what lived in that darkness, alongside humanity for hundreds of thousands of years, that we now regard as simple Fables and legends. It's hard to imagine, even when you live in a rural area today, how dark the entire world was a short time ago. Did the darkness and the unknown create these myths and legends? Or were all these stories of creatures based on what people were really seeing on the edges of their civilization? I guess we'll find out. If the lights ever do go out again. Some horrible catastrophe. Some nuclear war. And once again power is removed from the planet. When the sun sets on that first night. And the world again is bathed in darkness. We will know then. How true. These stories of monsters in the dark. Really are radio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio twitter is J- at Jason o. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but I'm glad you listened to it today have a great one guys